Hey, good morning, everyone. They need to play that theme music before the Bills game today. That would get them pumped up to go against New England. How's everybody doing this morning? About 30, exactly 33 years ago is when I became a Christian at 16 years old. And one of the first verses, and maybe this is true for a lot of you here this morning, one of the first verses that I memorized in the Bible, can you guess what it was? John 3.16, how'd you guys know that, right? That, that's a popular verse, isn't it? I mean, that's usually the first verse that we go to that, that we understand that, that, that God so loved the world. And, and when, we, when you go to a, you know, a football game, that's the verse you see, right? John 3.16. And um, so I, I, wanted to, I wanted to read that for you, John 3.16. I'm going to read John 3.16 uh, through 18 this morning. And it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Isn't that good news? I mean, that, that's, that's, a, that's why it's such a popular verse. Let's go on to, to get this verse a little bit more in context. Verse 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And once again, there's that word, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Now, one verse that I don't think I've ever, ever seen at a football game on a poster is Luke 9.23. I don't know if, if anyone has ever memorized that verse as one of their first verses they've ever memorized. But let's read that because this has been the basis of our, our study for the next uh, six weeks in the series, Fan or Follower, this is the verse that we're looking at. It is Luke nine twenty three through 36. And then it says this. And he said to all of them, and once again, Jesus speaking, he says, if anyone, there's the word again, anyone, whoever, anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me for Whoever, once again, would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses life will, will save it, for my sake, will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but let loses or forfeits himself or his soul? Now, now this verse doesn't get a whole lot of play. It doesn't get a whole lot of airtime because, because it, it's, it's not very appealing to someone. Maybe you're trying to lead to Christ. You're like, okay, I'm gonna, I, I like the John 3.16, I like the believing thing, I like the eternal life thing, um, but the thing about denying myself and taking up my cross and losing my life, I, I don't know if, if I want to go that far into it. I don't know if I want to dive in that deep. Here's the problem. John 3.16 is all about believing. It's all about believing. Now, now for, for many of us, we would say, okay, um, yeah, the, the whole thing about eternal life and believing in Jesus, many of us can accept that, being the Son of God. Here's the issue. We've got to balance this with Luke 9.23 because Luke 9.23 is all about following. And, and this is what must be understood about these two verses. You can't have one without the other. You can't have one without the other other remember you, you you can't you can't have one without the other you 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 can't have believing without following 
And so what we've been diving into in this series about fan or followers, what does it truly mean to be a follower of Christ? And we looked at the difference between a fan and an actual follower of Christ, one that was just an admirer um, and, and one that actually denies himself to, to follow him. And what Jesus does here in Luke 9, he makes this call and he says, he says anyone can come to me. And, and many people have this misconception about Jesus and they, they falsely think that Jesus is very uh, exclusive. But the fact of Jesus is very inclusive. He makes the call to anyone. And so Jesus says, anyone, whoever believes in me, anyone, what does this mean? I, we're going to spend our time this morning talking about who is anyone. And I want you to look at yourself and say to yourself, I am anyone. I am a whosoever. Let's all say it together. I am a whosoever. You are a whosoever. So, so every single person in this room, Jesus is talking to. There is no one that's excluded. And so, you know, I don't know if some of you have ever, ever seen this in advertisement, but an advertisement has an interesting way of using the word anyone or whosoever. They, they will say anyone can apply. And then only to read the small print and anyone is, is really not everybody. It only pertains to a certain particular group of, of people. They'll say, we'll take anyone. We'll take anyone. No credit, bad credit, no money, no job. We won't turn anyone away only to realize that that's not what they really meant. And until you read the fine print or you listen to the voice at the end of the commercial that's speaking a mile a minute, right? Um, it, it didn't, they don't really mean everyone. But Jesus makes this call. What did he mean? Well, Jesus invites everyone to come. So what's the catch? How many of you know there's always a catch? Everything's not as true as it is. There's always some catch. It's always not as good until you read the small print. You really understand what you're getting yourself into. There's always some catch to it. What's the catch? Well, here with Christ, there's no small print. There's no hidden fees. Jesus says, everyone, everyone is welcome. This calling Jesus gives is very significant uh, for his time. When he makes this call, and Jesus speaking to the crowds, and speaking to those who want to follow him in the, in the first century, this is very interesting, because we have to get an understanding of the first century and what it meant to be a disciple. We don't, we don't understand that in our day and age today and in our Western thinking. But let me give you a little background here because in Jesus' society, he was considered a rabbi, an uncon unconventional homeless rabbi, but yet a teacher. And rabbi means teacher. Jesus was a teacher of God's word. And, and he would have tremendous knowledge of this and because we know that Jesus was the son of God and he makes this call to say, hey, come be my disciple. Come follow me. So let's get an understanding of what a rabbi was in Jesus' time. A rabbi was a teacher of God's word. He had a tremendous knowledge of the Torah or the first five books of the Bible, the, the Pentateuch. And the rabbi would have students or disciples that would follow them. Just, just the same kind of call that Jesus gives. And in fact, there's a saying that the followers of the rabbi, they would say they would follow in the dust 
of the rabbi for this reason. The disciples would walk so, so closely to the rabbi that the dust from his sandals would fall on the disciples. Also, the disciples would sit at the rabbi's feet and the, and the dust as he taught, which showed commitment. So literally, the, the, the student that wanted to become a student or a disciple of the rabbi would literally walk right behind them. And just everything they did, everything they said, they would become completely their disciple or wanted to follow them. Now, wanted to follow them. now and, and this group of disciples were called the Talmids. Now, here's what's interesting about their calling to follow a rabbi and Jesus' calling. There's a difference here. Uh, this was a very exclusive group of students or disciples. Um, you could follow... But you had to be picked. You had to be picked by the rabbi, and many wouldn't make the cut. So even before you could get into the group, you basically had to have a 4.0 GPA, and you had to have a 2,400 on your SATs, even to be considered. Now, how many would that exclude all of us right off the bat, right? It's like, we wouldn't make it, right? No way. I mean, there's no way we would ever make it. So before you could even get into that, You'd, you'd have to recite the entire book of the Torah, or you would have to tell the rabbi, the rabbi would ask you, how many times is the name of the Lord used in the 11th chapter of the book of Leviticus? You'd have to tell him right then. The name of the Lord is used 45 times in the book of whatever, in chapter 11 of the book. You'd have to know that right off the bat. Now, after that, he might pick you. He might. I mean, you have all this knowledge, you've done all this studying, uh, he might pick you to come follow him. Now, the, the, the rabbis were very picky because his students were actually a reflection of him. So if you're going to have a student follow you, you want the best of the best of the best to follow you because you're a reflection of this teacher. Now, this is why Jesus' call is so radically different he says this anyone he literally meant anyone it reminds me of what's written on the statue of liberty this is what's written on the statue of liberty give me your tired your poor your huddled masses yearning to breathe free the wretched refuse of your teeming shores send these the homeless tempest tossed to me i lift my lamp beside the golden door that's what's said that's what's on the side and that that kind of echoes what jesus is saying anyone not the elite of the elite jesus says anyone and, and this reflects beautifully of what jesus calling was to who would come to him in matthew 11 here's what here's what said in matthew eleven twenty eight. i love these words jesus says come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden i will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am, I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. So here's, what, here's what's happening. Jesus calling to come follow him must have turned a lot of heads. This was so radically different from what was, what, what, what was being seen in the first century. Many would come to hear the incredible words of Jesus and, and, and then they would look at actually who was following him they weren't the elite of the elite they were a bunch of ragtag nobodies from wayne county i mean it's just great right amen for wayne county can i get amen for wayne county yes 
These were Wayne County people. We can relate to this. And uh, you, you had fishermen. You, had, you even had a tax collector in that midst. Um, some thought, boy, he is re- Jesus is really dropping the standard. He'll take anyone as his disciple. And that's exactly the point. And so how does this translate in our world we live in today? What makes a follower of Jesus so unique? And this is what we've been talking about. This is what I want you to hear today. Our, our desire is for us not just, just to be admirers of Jesus, say he's, he's, he's a, a great guy, and, and we just fill our seats every week, and we just admire Jesus, we sing the songs, and we just go about doing our daily life. Jesus says, listen, I want you to know me. I want to have a, I want to have a personal relationship with you, and I want you to know who I am, and I want to literally change your life, just not on Sunday, but every day of the week. I want you to know me. So this is why his calling was so unique. So when Jesus says anyone, he means anyone. So let's, let's break this down. Jesus, when, what made his followers different, in order to be a disciple of the rabbi, you would have to go through a whole bunch of hoops, and there's a bunch of prerequisites to, to, to do that, and then you might be picked. But my question is this, did Jesus really mean anyone? He absolutely did. And what Jesus did was he got rid of all those prerequisites. And what Jesus was saying is your works, your achievements are not the thing that will get you in. Those are the things that are not going to get you in as one of my disciples. In order to get into an elite college, you have to have all your achievements and high SAT scores and your merit and all your work. But, but that is exactly what was going on in Jesus' day. You had a bunch of religious elites running around, spouting off how smart and how religious they were and how many disciples they had that were just like them. Compared to Jesus with the low of the low following him, it was a striking difference in that day. And so was Jesus letting his standard down? Was he compromising? Not at all. What Jesus was telling his followers, it's not based on your merit. It's not based on your knowledge. It's not based on your religious pedigree that gets you in. It was all based on Jesus's work to get you in. Jesus did it for you to allow you to become his disciples. Now, if you've ever been at a club, that you didn't belong to her country club. Um, the reason you got in was based on that, that, that person who belonged. You got in on their merit. You got in. You, you didn't belong, but you got in on that merit to, to be a, a, a special guest. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. He paid the membership fee with his very own life so that you could come into that relationship with him. Now, now here's... Here's the sad thing. Here's the sad thing. So many people in Jesus' day simply gave up on religion because it was so cumbersome to them. The the religious of the day made it such a burden that they made it so difficult and, and so many rules and it literally sucked the joy out of serving God that many people just kind of gave up or just weren't serving God with joy because it became 
so cumbersome. There were so many roadblocks, so many hurdles in front of people. And, and, and that's the point. That's why Jesus said, come to me, all you who are labor, labor and heavy laden. I will, I will give you rest when you're heavy laden, you're burdensome. I'm going to give you rest. Just come to me. And so Jesus was talking to those who felt burdened by this religion that was man-made. That made religion the point of everything. It's what you do. It's your merit. And Jesus said, it didn't come I didn't come to put more things in front of you. I didn't come to make you jump through more hoops. I didn't come to add to your burden. I came to actually take it from you. And see, that, that's what was happening that day. They were so burdened with trying to be perfect, with trying to do all the right things, and, and, and trying to jump through the right hoops that people just gave up. And Jesus says, listen, I've actually come to take that from you so that you're not burdened and you're, you're not stressed out by all these things. And see, that's what religion does. It adds. Religion is man's attempt to reach God in their own way. And we will never reach God in our own way. That will never work. God reached down to meet us at the point of our need. We need to be careful as a church not to put barriers in front of people from coming to Christ. And we can easily do that if we're not careful. And, and here are the excuses that, that we can we can make up, or maybe we've even thought of at times, excuses we say, or maybe some people will say they can't come to church because they don't have anything nice to wear. Well, we don't have a dress code here, okay? The only dress code we have is just cover up, okay? Just cover up, be modest, you're good, okay? You're fine. Um, um, we, we may say, well, I, I don't belong to your church. I, I was raised in another denomination. Well, we don't care what your background is. And guess what? God doesn't either. Jesus didn't die for a denomination. Jesus died for people. So I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't fit in because my problems and, and, and bad choices that I've made in the past, I, I don't fit in with the Christians because they're supposedly, they got everything right or supposedly they're more righteous and blah, 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 blah. I don't fit in because of my problems and the bad choices that I've made in the past. Well, let me just tell you, welcome to the club. Because I call Living Word the misfit church. And it should be. We are all dysfunctional in so many ways. And if you've been here long enough, you will fit right in. <laughs> you will. How many know when you get to know people, you think, oh, everything's great. Yeah, praise the Lord, brother. Hallelujah, right? And we know that we're all hurting. We all know we have our dysfunctions, right? We're all messed up in some way. That's why we need the Lord. What Jesus does, listen. Here's what Jesus does for us. He gets rid of all our excuses. He gets rid of all of them. Because he doesn't put all those prerequisites before. He doesn't say you have to be perfect in these things. He doesn't say you have to be the right pedigree. He doesn't have to be the, the right denomination. He doesn't say that you have to be part of this club. He doesn't say that you have to memorize the whole Torah before you come to me. He doesn't say that you have to do this, that, and the other. He doesn't say that. He gets rid of all those excuses. Here's the difference. A disciple of a rabbi had to come with it all together and with the right education. Jesus tells us just to come. Come just as you are, with all your baggage and with all your hang-ups, because Jesus wants to change your heart. And when he changes your heart, everything else will change. And the problem is when we come to Jesus with things, the problem is we're relying on ourselves on our merit and how well we look and how established we are and how successful we are. We come to Jesus that way. Jesus says, it's going to be hard to serve me because you're going to have roadblocks because you're going to rely on your own strength and your own knowledge and what you've done. 
You've got to come to me with all your brokenness, all your pain, all your hurt, and realize you can't do it without me. When you come that way in humility, Jesus says, I'm going to change your heart. I'm going to change your heart. And so when he says come with all your hand, he really means that. He says come, ex-convict, convict, divorced, someone that struggles or struggled with alcoholism, sexual past, come, drug addict, come, hypocrite, come, gossip, come, prideful, come, self-righteous, you're welcome, come on. Come. Now, this caused a huge problem in Jesus' day because the religious accused Jesus of eating with sinners and going to people's houses that were of disrepute. Because if you hung out with a a, a sinner, it was like guilt by association. How could he hang out with them? We've already categorized them as sinners. And those are exactly the people that Jesus went to. He says, I came to seek and save those that are lost. I came to seek and save those that are messed up. I came to seek and save those that don't have it all together. That's who Jesus came for. So Jesus, what he does is he eliminates the excuses for following. The problem lies within us, not Jesus. Jesus isn't the one that that puts all these barriers in front of your life. That's not That's not coming from Jesus. It's coming from us. Um, I can remember um, someone saying this because I think what happens is we we get this image of church. That church has to be this big sanitized place that everybody has to smell good. Everybody has to look good. You know, we're all, you know, carrying our Bibles and whoo, 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 look at me. I'm a Christian, right? And, um. I think we get this misconception of church that it's got to be this perfect sanitized place with no issues. But a true follower of Jesus understands that church is a messy place with messy backgrounds, messy people that need a savior. I remember someone in our church shared this story with me and they were talking to somebody in the community that didn't attend our church but they know of our church and they know a lot of people that attend our church. And this person made this comment about our church, which I love. Now, you could easily take offense of it, but I didn't. I thought it was great. And I thought, if that's the way they see our church, then I want our church to be seen that way. And she said this. This is what this person in the community made the comment to this person that attended our church. They said, your church seems like it has a lot of problems. Because I'm your pastor. No, uh, hey, right? Your church seems like it has a lot of problems, people with a lot of needs and issues. And this is what this person in our church's response was, which I thought was golden. It was perfect response. I couldn't have said any better. This person said, I love her. And this person said this, this. She said, yes, because we share our problems. We share our problems. We pray for one another. We just don't come into church, sit in our pews, raise our hand, praise the Lord, and we all walk out. See, when we, a follower of Jesus is truly open to say, you know what, my life isn't all together. It's not perfect. I, I need help. I need other people to pray for me. I've got issues in my life. I need people to stand with me. And when we're open and we're vulnerable with one another, we're going to see those issues and those problems that church is a messy place, but we have a perfect Savior who wants to come in the middle of our mess and help us. 
and help us in our struggles. And that's what makes the church so beautiful is that we're not trying to put some false disguise onto the world that we have no issues, that we don't struggle with the same things. We're saying, yeah, we do struggle with the same things. And that's why we need help. And that's why we need a savior through all those things. That we're not portraying some lie or some falsehood that we need each other. That's why I say this all the time. If you ever find a perfect church, please let me know. Because I'll be the first one to go there to wreck it. <laughs> Just let me know. I will, be the, I will go there and I will wreck it in an instance. Um, it, it, listen, if you, whenever you're at a place long enough, listen to me closely, people. Whenever you're at a place long enough, it will reveal its shortcomings. And if you're looking for a perfect place or a perfect church or a perfect pastor, you will never find it. You will never, ever find it. We are people that are messy, that need a Savior to help us. That's what a true follower of Jesus is. You see, fans of Jesus want things to be neat, not complicated, I don't want to get involved in the messiness of others. I just want to come. I want to leave. I just want to be comfortable. But a follower, listen, listen, a follower. And this is what I just, this is what really attracted me to the church when I first became a Christian. Because when, when I went to a church when I was younger, you just 55 minutes, done, you're out the door. You didn't hear people's problems. You didn't hear people sharing testimonies about their sinful past? Are you kidding me? If that happened in the church I grew up with, I'd be like, wow, I want to come next week. This is good. Don't have any soap opera on TV. This is good stuff, right? When I started going to the, uh, the church that truly preached the gospel, people would share their backgrounds and what they went through and their drug abuse and all this other stuff and how Jesus saved them. I'm like, are they crazy? They're just sharing for all these people they don't even know. But they knew who their Savior was. See, see, listen, a follower of Christ wants to hear how sinners come to Christ. They want to hear the stories. They want to open their arms to the broken and the hurting. That's what church should be. That's what a true follower of Christ should be. One that says, man, I'm broken and I'm, I'm hurting. I'm not, I'm not trying to glorify my past and all the wrong things that I've done. But I do want to tell you that I have a Savior that has forgiven me of all those things. And I want to share that with others, that I'm not perfect, that I made a lot of mistakes. I love hearing those stories. This is what Jesus did for me. So here's what's important. I want you to understand this, that Jesus says anyone can come. He puts no roadblocks. However, however, you're like, oh, I knew you were going to get to this part of the sermon, pastor. I knew it was coming. Here comes the butt, Right? Here it comes. Here comes the small print. Let, let, me, let me explain this because there is no small print, but let, let me give you the reality of it. Here's what's important to understand. Anyone can come, but it will cost you everything. And here's what I mean. When, it, when a Talmud was finally accepted into the rabbinical school or to follow the rabbi, they would literally leave their homes, their jobs, whatever was holding them back, and they would go and they would follow the rabbi, and they would literally follow the rabbi wherever he went. Now, Jesus doesn't say you have to do this, that, or the other to come to me. Jesus says, I laid my life down for all your excuses, for all your sins. Just come and he will forgive you and he will heal you of your sins. 
Christ's acceptance of me is not based on my performance. He says, come. But once I come, I must be willing to lay my life down at his feet. My desires begin to change. And now I want to please him. So how, how, how does that look? Well, now I say, I'm not my own. You realize you are not your own the moment you get married. How many realize that? You're not single anymore. Uh, when I was first married, we had no cell phones. And, and I would be at the store. And, and Kathleen, I might get separated for a while. And she's like, where were you? What? what? I missed you. You know, and you're, you forget. Oh, yeah, I'm not single anymore. I've got, I've got to figure out. I get lost in the hardware store. And I was like Disneyland for a while. And she's like, where were you? I was done in five minutes. And I need to find you. You, know, you, you realize that quickly that you're, you're, you're not your own. See, a true follower of Jesus realizes the grace and the mercy that Jesus gave to us to save us and to reach us, that, 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 that there's no roadblocks that are placed in front of us. But something happens when I realize that grace and, and, and the magnitude that, that, that Christ went through to reach me, I have to realize that when he changes my heart, all of a sudden my desires change. And now I want to follow him, not based on my merit, but based on what he already has done for me. My desires begin to change. So a follower of Jesus Christ, when Christ has truly transformed your heart, has truly saved you and caused you to become born again, a true follower of Jesus Christ now sees it as a privilege to lay their life down. Not as an obligation, but as a privilege and gratitude for what Christ has done for them. A follower of Christ realizes that their life is not their own anymore. In fact, the Bible tells us that we we're bought with a price. We are not our own. And Jesus gave his very life for us. And, and, and I give up the right now as a follower of Jesus Christ to act selfish. I, I give up the right to say that I'm the owner of my things. I say, God, you are the owner of everything now. I, 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 I give up the right to, to, to always want my way. You know, th- there is no provocation that would ever result in an unchristian response now. I say, I've got to guard my heart. I've got to guard my tongue because I know what Christ has done for me. I've got to, I've got to guard my life now. It just doesn't become a Sunday thing, an Easter thing, a Christmas thing. Now it becomes an everyday thing. I want to know God's word. I want to read his word. I want to develop my relationship with Christ now because I understand what he's done for me. My, my desires, I understand, are not my own anymore. I, I want to seek the Lord and the choices that I make. And I want to make sure that I'm honoring Christ and what I do now because I know the great magnitude and the price that he paid for my very life. I just, I just want to finish. I, I, I was trying to look through the gospels of, of people that truly changed. And I'm actually going to do a series on this. I just want to go through all the gospels and just, and just do messages on, on how people changed once they encountered Jesus and what happened after their lives. And, and there's this one story that I just want to share with you in closing today about a woman who, who, who came to Christ um, that just came um, completely unabandoned, completely vulnerable. Um, th- this woman was an outcast. Um, this woman had no social life. Um, this woman had this issue of bleeding for years. And, and because of this, she... Um, she basically became an outcast and basically she became unclean, religiously unclean. So that means she couldn't go to the temple. That means she couldn't touch anybody because if she touched anybody, they would become ceremonially 
unclean according to the law. And so this woman was just an outcast. And this woman gets word that, that Jesus is, is coming by and Jesus is teaching. And so she knows he's there. And this woman risks everything to just touch the hem of Jesus's garment. She, she risks everything. So let me read this for you in, in Matthew 9, 20 through 22. It's in Mark also. It gives a little bit more detail to her, her suffering because she's been to doctors and no one could help her. And so she was destitute. I mean, destitute. Can you imagine not being able to hug anybody? Not being able to just be close? And so this one was destitute. And it says this. It says, Just then a woman who had been subjected, subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak. And this is what she said to herself. If I, if, if I only touch his cloak, if I can just touch the edge of his cloak, I know I will be healed. And so in Mark, it says Jesus felt this power leave from him. And he wanted to know who touched him, who had this faith to believe that he could heal her. And so Jesus turned to her and he saw her and he said this to her. He said, take heart, daughter. Isn't that great? What, what a, how he reached out to her, what, what a sign of intimacy and just calls her daughter. He said, take heart, daughter. He said, your faith has healed you. Now, this word healed has kind of a duplicity in its meaning. It not only means that she was physically healed, but she was also saved. This word means saved. That spiritually, she was not only healed, but she was saved because of the faith that she placed in the one who could save her. And, and it says this, and the woman was healed at that moment. At that moment. She didn't have to recite the Torah. She didn't have to, you know, go through a bunch of classes on how you can heal. She didn't, she didn't, she didn't, she just, she came to Jesus in faith and believed that he could touch her and believed that he could heal her, to believe that she could be restored. In this very hopeless situation, both physically and spiritually, being weak and anemic and suffering for 12 years, spiritually being unclean, um, risking, um, risking touching someone else to make them unclean, risking the ridicule of the crowd and, 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 and maybe people uh, yelling out saying, unclean, unclean, we know who this woman is. They, they had to know who she was because she suffered with this for, for 12 years. She risked everything. Emotionally, she was weak. Physically, she was weak. Spiritually, she was weak. But she came to Christ exactly the way she was. Broken, spiritually broken, physically broken. She came exactly the way she was. And Jesus says, your faith has healed you. Jesus, it's not her faith that saves her. It's not her faith that healed her. It's her faith in the one who can heal her faith in the one who can save. She came exactly the way she was. And through that strength, Jesus healed her and brought salvation to her.
So here's, here's my question to you this morning. Where are you today? Have, have you made excuses for why you're not really a follower of Jesus? Maybe you're just a fan here today and you admire Jesus, and, but you can take it or leave it. Maybe you've made excuses like, well, you know, I don't know that much of the Bible or, you know, you know, I wasn't really brought up in church. Blah, blah. Jesus takes away all those excuses. Jesus says, anyone that comes. And so the call goes out to anyone. And maybe you're here today and, and, and you're broken and you need a healing and, and you need Christ to come and, and you need him to, to, to heal your life. Jesus says, come. I invite you to come and lay those things at my feet. Just come as you are. Listen, Jesus already knows your background. Jesus already knows your stuff. He already knows your mess in it. He already knows that. You're not fooling him. And he says, here, when you admit it and you confess it to me, that's when the healing will start. That's where the healing comes. That's where the restoration happens in your life. Jesus is the only one that can do that for you. He's the only one that can bring healing to your life today. And so Jesus says, come just as you are. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray. We're going to close in song. I love this song. And it just talks about giving Christ our brokenness. Here's what we're going to do. If you if, if you want to come up front today and just kneel at the altars and just pray, and maybe there's just something that you have to give to the Lord and, and whatever that healing might be, whatever that might be, I, I would just, I would tell you to make that bold step of faith. Listen, 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 listen. You know, coming to the front or raising your hand is not the thing that, that saves you. It's your faith in Christ that does that. But the woman approached Jesus. She came just as she was, and Jesus accepted her just as she was. And I think for some of you, you need to do that this morning. You need to take that step of faith and say, I'm just going to come as I am. I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care anymore. And there's something about taking that step of faith that activates your faith, that activates your belief to believe that Christ is the only one. There's something about making it public. There's something about saying, Jesus, I don't care what anybody says. I just want to come. And I, I want to give you that opportunity this morning just to come and just to kneel and just say, Christ, I give you my life anew and afresh today. Take all my hurts, take all my pain. I'm just going to come. I don't care what anybody thinks. Because it doesn't matter because this is the misfit church and we're all messed up anyway. So we're all in the same boat, right? So I want to give you that opportunity. So I want you to stand this morning. I want us to pray. The band's going to come. They're going to lead us in this beautiful song. And let's just, let's just give our hearts and our lives to Christ new and afresh this morning. Let, bow your hearts with me. Let's just pray and, and let God work on our hearts today. Um, Lord, we stand before you today and, and none of us in this room None of us are perfect. We've all made mistakes. We, we've, we've missed you in so many different ways. But I thank you, Lord, that there is no obstacle or roadblock that keeps us from coming to you. And I pray that we would come this morning. For those that are hurting today, I pray that they would come. For those that are spiritually weak today, I pray that they would come. For those that need saving today, I pray that they would come and just come just as they are 
and by faith reach out to you just like that woman did. And Jesus, there is not one person that you ever turned away that came to you, that humbly came before you and needed you. Jesus, you said, I will no wise cast you out. Anyone who comes to me, I will receive them. Receive them as a son and a daughter. So Lord, receive us today as we humbly come before you today with all our brokenness. And we just love you and we thank you. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing this unto the Lord as we just come and worship him. God bless you.